0: almost lost the cup and you win it the new european champions the treble the dream come true for
1: you Uh, i can't believe it i can't believe it football by the hell hey everybody welcome back to another episode of the golden boot podcast i'm chris williams
0: and i'm JP rios and so
1: yeah this today's episode is going to be a little bit different so we usually record from my dorm uh, at college, but we got sent home now for uh, winter. We're finishing up the semester from home. So JP and I are on Zoom from separate countries. So uh, hopefully this will work.
0: <laughs> hopefully, that's that's a big word. But, yeah, I mean, exciting weekend? Uh, yeah, who knows? But let's get <laughs> to it. Um, first game we're going to have, we're going to go Premier League and then Champions League because every other league didn't have that many exciting things to talk about. But Liverpool won, Brighton won. What do you
1: think? Yeah, so that's a huge result, actually, um, for Brighton. And it's just a huge result for the rest of the Premier League as well, because that put Tottenham ahead of Liverpool in first place in the Premier League. Um, So yeah, Liverpool drops (laughs) points, allows Tottenham to take first place. And obviously, Liverpool is... A lot of their squad is injured, right? They have no Van Dyke, Alexander Arnold's out. Uh, Mane and Henderson were on the bench. I'm not sure if either of them even played. Um, but their bright spot of the game was Diego Jota, who has scored, I think, in eight straight games or something like that. It's like eight goals in eight games. I think I could be completely wrong, but I think that's it. Like, he's just the man of the hour right now. He's playing out of his mind right now, uh, for Liverpool, but uh. You know, Pascal Gross for Brighton rescued a point um, late in the game. So, yeah, now Liverpool has failed to win three of their last four matches. So, I mean, that's huge. It's huge for Tottenham. It's huge for the rest of the top four. It's huge for the rest of the Premier League. Uh, What are your thoughts on this?
0: I mean, I am the first to say I always have said that after – Um, last season Liverpool were probably not going to be at the same level and I mean they were showing that maybe they're still dangerous and then all these injuries just come in and as a Bayern fan I've seen what injuries can do to your team and can just just take the players out and with COVID as well because we're talking about some of the players not even like injured some were just out because of COVID and yeah I mean it's huge it's huge for Brighton and it's huge for the league but I mean, with the team that was based around Van Dyke, around Trent Alexander Arnold, I mean, yeah, they're good going forward. That's not like, that's not a lie. I don't think at this point that Salah, Sadio Mane, Firmino are the best players in the world, but I think they're like good attacking. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But the backbone of it was the defense, (laughs) and their defense is absolutely in shatters at this point. Like, there's nobody, they're all injured. So, and yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting how, like, they react to it. I mean, I know, like, Klopp was still arguing they should have the five substitutions that most leagues have around the world, which makes sense. But at the same time, like, I know it's a lot of game time, like, back-to-back, but a lot of the injuries weren't, like, of exhaustion They're, I mean, Van <laughs> not exhaustion is yes. just going to pick for just deciding to go and break his leg. I mean, it was obviously not on purpose, but I mean, it's interesting to see how Liverpool are going to try and bounce back into the league because, I mean, at this point, Tottenham's top of the league. I don't like that at all. Not going to lie. Absolutely hate yeah. it. But it's going to be interesting. But another yeah. thing that you want to talk about
1: is my Manchester United. Oh, baby. So uh, if you're listening today, Wednesday, or tomorrow, which is Thursday, or any time after this, Uh, you're going to know that Manchester United played one of the worst games I've ever seen today against uh, PSG. But this weekend, we had lots of hope, okay, going into this game because we beat Southampton, okay? I know that doesn't sound that impressive, but listen, Southampton uh, was in fifth place for this game. Now they're in sixth. And, you know, we needed points. And it's a huge game. We have a huge history against Southampton. Uh, Donny van de Beek got his first Premier League start, so obviously I was buzzing before this game, and he was playing alongside Fred and Matic and Bruno. It was a diamond in the midfield, and I thought it was just oh, it was just beautiful. And you know, the game started, and United looked really good. Uh, it was both teams were going back and forth, but they just couldn't get anything going in the first half. And James Ward-Prowse. Proved to be the difference, uh, just like how everyone expected him to be going into this game. You know, he's just a set piece master. Uh, in dead ball situations, this man can just whip a cross in or he can perfectly place it upper 90 if he's taking a free kick. And that's what he did. He whipped a corner in for the first goal and he just placed a perfect uh, free kick inside the post to take a 2-0 lead going into halftime. And, but yeah. at halftime, we made that change. And uh, Solskjaer brought on Edison Cavani uh, for Mason Greenwood and David De Gea got hurt. So uh, Dean Henderson came in, which was pretty big. And long behold, uh, Edison Cavani scores two goals and gets an assist. I was absolutely buzzing. A late comeback. It's reminiscent of what RVP did against Southampton a couple years ago. Um, You know, just a great performance from the boys in the second half and yeah, everyone just thought cavani was kind of a god in the manchester united uh fan base and i wrote an article about it um yeah uh and united won the last full uh what is this stat let me find it uh yeah it was united's fourth straight win in all competitions and their eighth straight away win so you know everything was looking amazing uh, heading into the midweek Champions League match against PSG. But, uh, JP, what were your thoughts on this?
0: I mean, okay, I to be fair, I didn't see the game until Cavani came on. And here's the thing. Cavani is, in my mind, one of the best strikers like we've had in the past few years. Like, he's been con- like, consistently on top of his level. And he's getting old. Like, that's and – I'll never say he is – the best striker in the world. I don't think there was at any point in his career that he was, but no. he was always, like, in the top 10. Like, yeah, always.
1: And There was a point at PSG when, like, he couldn't get playing time because of Ibra.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, even all those players, he's, I'm not sure if he is, like, PSG's top goal scorer of all time. I think he is. But, I mean, that also means that PSG probably has, like, a 10-year history. But, um, yeah, it was just whenever you see him play, like, you know, he's dangerous. I, in the, it was 2018, the world cup, he scores twice and both goals are just marvelous. And he had like two shots on goal that game. So Cavani is just an incredible player, like an incredible professional. I like, if you ask anybody, he's one, probably one of the best, like most professional players there are. And that United team that's been struggling with that kind of mentality, again, having him, there is one of those people that you want on the field. So yeah. I know he's getting old and there's a lot of younger strikers and everything at United, but in my mind, maybe you don't have to start him, but just play Cavani as much as you yeah. can.
1: So what I said in this, so I'm just I'm just looking at the article that I wrote about Cavani this weekend. Yeah. You were talking about him being like the highest score in PSG history. Um, he scored 138 goals in 200 appearances over seven seasons. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um And yeah, like this is a a paragraph from my article. I said, Cavani seemed to be a desperation signing when United signed him on transfer deadline day, but he has looked brilliant when substituted into matches this season, which is what you've just been saying. And I went on to write, the striker has found his chances limited so far, but by bringing him on as a number nine in the second half, this has proved to be beneficial for United as he uses his fresh legs and creativity to create space and chances in the attacking third. If this is what we can expect from Edison Cavani in the future, he could well turn out to be one of the best panic buys of all time. And I fully agree with that. And
0: I would just like to um, say, I did. When you said it was a panic buy, I was like, this is like, if it's a panic buy, it's a great panic buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you said that, when we were recording that, I mean, it's a better panic buy than, I don't know, Mario Balotelli to Liverpool, and I don't remember what year it was. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's a great player, and honestly, with uh, Bayern's second striker being Choupo-Moting, I wish we would have gotten Cavani. <laughs> at point. I mean, at that, yeah, I mean, he's old as well, so I'm not even going to say we're going to have two old strikers. But I mean, I'm still thinking Cavani over Chouberting. Goddamn! But okay. let's move to Champions League. So first game, we're going to talk about Real Madrid versus Shakhtar Donetsk.
1: I'll let you take this one away. Okay, so
0: first of all. I'm watching the game and I wasn't really paying attention. I'm like, it would be because I was like in my gym and I had it in the background because I was like, the Real Madrid's going to win. Like, there's no way that with the stakes the way they are, they're not going to be organized. They're not going to actually come out and like beat Shakhtar. Like first when like they had against them, I was like, it could have been distraction or whatever, maybe a little bit of being too confident. When, I don't know. They go on. It was, it's the 57th goal, like 57th minute. It's the first goal, it's scores. And it's a great goal. And I'm like, I was watching, I was like, is this actually like happening? And yeah, and then the second goal, it's 82nd to seal it, 2-0, Solomon. And here's the thing. Real Madrid are basically synonymous with Champions League. I don't care what form they are in the league. I don't care whatever. They, for some reason, always make it work in the Champions League. They are the top, like, winning team in the Champions League for a reason. And as much as, like, I like to make fun of them, and whenever they lose, I'm like, that's funny. Whenever my team's, like, Bayern plays against them, I am worried, even if they're having, like, the worst season of their lives. So it's just shocking at this point. It's, like, Zidane, like, Zidane's an overrated manager, and I'll play it like that.
1: He would
0: not have been able to win what he won if it weren't for the team he was coaching. And... It's not to say he's a bad manager. He's just, like, not anything, like, magical. And the same thing that Wardiola has, that he overthinks things and he overcomplicates himself, is what Zidane has, that he sometimes doesn't, like, he takes too much time. He's looking at the game. His substitutions come in, like, 10 minutes after they should have been done. And right now, Real Madrid are on the brink of being eliminated. And I, yeah, I don't know what to say about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, so during the game, uh, the announcers were saying if if Shakhtar and Real Madrid are level on points on match day six, it'll come down to, like, the head-to-head. And I think Shakhtar will end up going through. Is that right?
0: Yeah, it goes down to head-to-head. I, like, I have the standings here. Real Madrid has a better goal difference. But also taking account they're facing Borussia Mönchengladbach, which yeah. has been, like, constantly very, very dangerous, like, this Champions League. They've, yeah,
1: like... We've talked about this in past episodes. Just Real Madrid in the Champions League this year has been shocking. Yeah, Like the last game against Shakhtar, shocking. Against Mewton Gladbach, shocking. Like, I just don't know what to say. Uh, I don't know what it is. The only comment I had about it was I was shocked to see Martin Odegaard starting. And I, I actually texted you. I was like, oh, wow, Odegaard actually looks good. And then as soon as I said that, he started just missing chances left and right. And I was like, okay, never mind. But it's also important to take away that Sergio Ramos wasn't playing. Yeah. And that, that's, a, I mean, obviously he's not going to change the whole team, but was the captain. And I honestly don't think ben, Benzema could ever be a good captain.
0: I mean, when you're talking about Benzema, when you talk about somebody who's like tried to blackmail their uh, national team, like national team teammate, In the past, I wouldn't give him the captaincy at all. But, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. With Ramos missing, it's not even, like, the captaincy. We're talking about Rafael Varane taking over everything. And he is not good at this point. He has made, for the past few years, like, too many mistakes. I told you this when, like, the commentators called him the king of, like, own goals in Europe. Like, this is – a very bad Real Madrid side, and I think a lot of the players they have are just overrated or just not living up to the expectation. Odegaard was playing well, and then he just went down. But Benzema, who some people make him seem like one of the greatest French strikers of all time, I'm like, I you need to look at like the former players, and Vinicius just can't can't shoot. He yeah. scored a goal, in, but in the other games, but he's like he's very good. He's just like not a finisher, in the sport's about finishing. So
1: yeah so yeah like as that group stands there, Group B uh, in the Champions League, München Gladbach is on top with eight points, followed by Shakhtar with seven in second place, and then Real Madrid's in third place with seven points. but as we said, Shakhtar is ahead on um on the head to head, and Inter Milan is in last place, probably not going through.
0: Yeah, I and mean, I mean, talking about that, let's move on to the like to that game. Let's just uh, skip what we had. Um, just to talk about the group. Yeah, great, yeah absolutely. A, a great game. It was a very good game. I was watching it, and it's very, like, end-to-end. And it was a late-minute equalizer. So around the 80-something minute. And it's disallowed by VAR because of an offside. And I think it was, like, his back left foot. Like, his left foot was, like, slightly further back than, like, the last defender. I felt so bad for them. But it's – Here's the thing. Mohamed has been surprising. Like, as a Bayern fan, I'm like, of course they're, like, dangerous because they're, like, our boogeyman team. But when it comes to, like, Champions League, it's – like, you see that group and it looks like it's Europa League. <laughs> With Mohamed and, like, Shakhtar, like, topping the <laughs> group so far. But, Even yeah.
1: Inter, to some extent. Yeah. Like, you can see Inter getting knocked out in past years in the Champions League in the group stage and then being sent down to the Europa League.
0: Yeah, and, I mean – Right now, as it stands, Barista scores, like, wins against Real Madrid. And not only are they through, but, like, Real Madrid's out. There's no way of getting through. If Shakhtar wins in Mugland-Gladbach ties, I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. So, it's a very tight group. but
1: Yeah, and, like, I, I saw an article. So, um, my uncle sends me articles every day, soccer articles. And sometimes I just look at the headline and I'm like, oh, I already know that. And sometimes I just skim the article when he sends it. And he sent me something, and it was like the Brazilian like reconstruction of, um, Bru- not Bruce Image back, of Shakhtar Donetsk. And like, I would just like to, you know, point that out. I mean, for the last like decade, they've had a ton of like really talented Brazilian talent. But I mean, that has really been paying dividends for them, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: a lot of people. In like, Brazil, we'll try and play, like, outside in other leagues. That's why you see, like, an overflow of Brazilian players in Ukraine and Russia and stuff like that. But let's just go over a list. I have, like, a list here of, like, former Brazilian players who played for Shakhtar. And, I mean, Willian, Fernandinho from Man City, Douglas Costa, like, they have, like, a lot of good players.
1: Fred, yeah. don't worry about Fred. Come on.
0: I didn't Thank see in but, yes, Fred. Uh, just on but it's like they've never been like they are dangerous they're a good team you're not going to reach like Europa League semifinals as much as some people just make fun of the Europa League like it's still like a big competition so I think yeah it's a good thing that they're doing and it's a smart move maybe they don't have the talent pool that other teams have so they just go find Brazilian players all over the world and just get them there but it's been working, so.
1: Yeah, and the only, the last thing I want to point out on this topic about this group is that uh, the two players who scored for Inter uh, yesterday were former Man United players, Mateo Darmian and Romelu Lukaku. Thank you very much.
0: Hey, oh yeah, Darmian played for United. I forgot that. Um, yeah.
1: How could you forget? Come on.
0: Um, so now, Liverpool versus Ajax. I'll, I'll give my opinions after, so I'll just let you take it away because you watch more. Yeah. I
1: did. Yeah, so this was on the same time as the Bayern Athletico game, and obviously you were going to watch that game, and I have developed a very deep love for Ajax, and I despise Liverpool, so I was like, this is exactly the game I'm going to watch. So, um, going into the game, Liverpool on top of Group D with nine points, Ajax trailing behind them by two points with seven, and um, you know, Ajax didn't have to win this game. Uh, as long as Ajax beats Atalanta in Amsterdam next week, they'll go through. So, you know, it would be nice to win at Anfield. Um, the only player to ev- from Ajax to ever score at Anfield was Johan Cruyff decades ago. So, like, it would have been cool. But, um, yeah, and Liverpool didn't even go out that strong either. They started a 22-year-old academy goalkeeper named Cuevan Kelleher. Don't ask us to spell the first name. We don't know how to do it. Yeah. Um, and prior to this game, he played on the weekend against Man City in the Premier League, too, for the U23, like, reserve team. He led in seven goals against City. Seven. And Jurgen Klopp's like, I'll start you against Ajax in the Champions League. But, I mean, what a brilliant game of football this is. Um, I was texting my friend Paolo today. Uh, I, or yesterday, actually. And he said, oh, dude, are you watching this game? And I said, yeah, like, this is one of the best games I've seen in a very long time. And he said, you're hilarious. Like, what a joke. And that's because he's a forward and his mentality is, oh, like, you only play well if you score goals. Whereas my mentality as a midfielder is, if you're passing around, like, creating all these chances and, like, keeping possession, like, that's what I love to see. And especially when it's extremely back and forth, both of these teams are just absolutely like dominant in possession and they play beautiful football. Obviously Ajax is known for their style of football of possession based on creativity on the wings and everything. Like it was just a beauty to watch.
0: And I mean, adding to that, like from your point of view, from my point of view as a goalie, it's great if there's no goal score. So it was fantastic. But um, no, I, I think when we're talking about when you said you just like got seven goals scored against you this weekend just you're 22 years old just go into champions league and when i think some teams do it to give them experience this is a situation again just injuries and injuries and injuries over and over and over and here's the thing i don't like liverpool at all like i'm like i won't lie i hate them i don't hate them i just strongly dislike them and here's the thing i see these teams playing against them and i'm like they their back four is completely like devastated they're playing a 22 year old goalkeeper who's never played like a premier league or like a top division team game in his life this team is in shambles right now take advantage of that like i'm seeing that I'm, like if lewandowski was up there like he'd be scoring like five goals against this guy Absolutely. and it's frustrating for me cuz i like and as i said i do like ajax as well like a certain certain little appreciation but so here's, here's what I am gonna say straight up. Atalanta is gonna be a very tough
1: game. Yeah, I know. But yeah, but yeah before we get there, um, you know, just just finish a little bit more about this. Like the Liverpool's lineup, like as we were saying before in the in the about in the first segment, like they're injury stricken, they're COVID stricken, and like they have this kid Curtis Jones playing in the midfield. I, he was the best player on the field yesterday he was the best player in the field. He hit the post in the sixth minute in a rocket, an absolute rocket. And I was like, oh God, here we go. And then, um, you know, Nerez hit the post for um, Ajax in the 57th minute. So like, you know, just back and forth could have, could have really gone either way, but Onana, oh, Nana. Um, I-, I can't even explain this. Nico Williams, uh, who's another kid who's playing just because Liverpool's back line is in shambles, you know, tried to cross the ball into Curtis Jones at the back post and, you know, Onana totally misjudged it and he had tweaked his knee uh, coming down from a save just a couple minutes before that. So, you know, I'm going to give him a little bit of, you know, cut him a little bit of slack for that and Curtis Jones just tapped it in. So like, that's a really crappy way um, you know, to for Ajax to lose, and especially because um, they had a chance to tie it up in the 89th minute. Like, I'm not sure if you saw the highlights. Classon and is in the six yard box, and obviously, if he gets his head on it, I always pick him to score, yeah. and Keller kept it out. So, yeah, like, going into Ajax next, not Ajax, going into Atalanta next week, it's going to be a very hard game for Ajax, especially since they failed to score against this injury-stricken Liverpool team.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if we're talking about failing to score, geez, we're, um, the other game in the group stage, Atalanta versus Midtjylland, again, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right or not. I'm a big
1: Midtjylland fan.
0: Um, 1-1. Midtjylland scores like in the 13th minute, and then Atalanta just like can't score, and Here's the thing, the same way as I said that uh, Guardiola and Sudan sometimes like complicate the game for themselves. It's not even like it's a tough game. Simply they just like make it tough for themselves. Atalanta tends to do this. Like Their last game before this, before the Champions League, they lost 2-0 against Verona. And they are like a very good side and a very strong attacking side. They're 8th place right now in Serie A just because they keep on complicating things for themselves. And but they did that last season. I think they qualified the last game day because of like I think they had one like two games, something like that. And then they win by like four to one something against I think it was Shakhtar. So it's gonna be tough. But Ataranta needs to find their like find their rhythm because I mean you lose two knowing as Verona. And they came, that was after they beat Liverpool 2-0, so yeah, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But
1: Yeah, and that's a game I'm very interested in as well, not just because, you know, I, I kind of support Ajax now, but, um, you know, Atalanta has uh, this kid, um, Diallo, who's coming to United in January, who I've heard so much about. So, you know, it's going to be a very interesting game. I think that's going to be the best game next week.
0: Yeah, it might be but yeah i mean moving on to the other group that played that day uh, Bayern versus Letico madrid okay so i will read to everybody literally what i have written down for the first one of my notes lol atletico couldn't beat us with their b team we were starting and i am kidding like i kid you not a guy was 17 years old and center back
1: before you get is that josh richards or whatever his name is no chris, chris.
0: No, Chris Richards, Chris Richards. Chris case, Richards, yeah. Proven talent. I don't care what anybody no. Basically, <laughs> no, Chris Richards, no, he plays as a right back, if I'm not mistaken. But okay, so basically our lineup, we had Alexander Newball, who I will say during the game could not distribute the ball. He was giving it away every single time. There's one time that he goes and jumps like outside of the box for the header. And he literally just lifts it up and the ball is just floating in the air, coming back down now freaking out. I was losing my mind. I was like, please just run back. Uh, it's just, like, surprising me. I'm like, you train with Manuel Neuer, who is an expert in all these things. I thought, like, you'd have it a little bit more nailed down." But, I mean, the first goal that comes in, I, like, it's not Newell's fault at all. It's a good goal. It's, it was right, it was right on the line. It was about to go out of bounds and then they managed to keep it in. But, here's the thing. You got Alexander Neubol, who, I mean, he's barely played. Then you got, in in the back you had Lucas Hernández Alaba and Nicolas Chulauli who played really well. There's a bunch of moments like we could have conceded, and there's like last second like defensive action. and then we got, okay, here's the guy, bright array and B. This guy is 17 years old, starting in Champions League game against one of the best defenses in Europe. Then we got Javi Martinez in midfield, okay, Sarr, Douglas Costa Rione, Chupo Moten, who, for the love of Christ, cannot score against, like, a decent team. He scored against, like, a fifth division team and I was like, okay, can you do it against anybody else? He hasn't been able to. At this point, there's um, this guy called uh, Fita Arp who plays, like, in Bayern's second team where most of these players are coming from. He's really good. Or just put Zerigzi, who's, like, also been, like, who's been put in important games in the game against what was Inverter Bremen, I think. Like, last Season it was the game against Mirkin Glava. I think he's the one who scores and wins the game, which made it pretty sure that Bayern were going to win the league again. But despite all of that, we still get a one-one draw. I here's the thing: there's another guy, Jamal Musiala. This guy is also 17 years old. He's German and English. Like I have a friend who was very excited to have him in the England team, but he is great he's like you saw him on the field he looked dangerous every time he got the ball but i mean yeah i mean for the most part in the first half let it go dominated the game like there's no lie to that they were dominating the whole thing and then you see the substitutions and once all the subs come in it was a full di- like completely different game I and mean, once xerxes came in Gnabry came in you got chris richards thomas muller and I mean, Miller gets the penalty and he scores, equalizes. I had my phone next to me because I have the Champions League app and it was receiving, like, the scores, like, 20 seconds beforehand. But I wasn't looking at it. And every single time it vibrated, I was, like, having a panic attack. I was like, who scored? It was somebody else just texting me. But, yeah, I mean, great game. I mean, Bayern loser, their, like, straight winning streak. It stops at 15, but we're still undefeated in 16 Champions League games. And this was, like, a very – like, very much a B team. But it makes sense. Like, we play Leipzig Saturday for in the Bundesliga they their second place. Of course, we want to rest the players in more when you have the first place to shirt. So, yeah, it was a pretty good game.
1: Yeah. And, obviously, with that, Bayern go through to the round of 16. As – I mean, as expected, right? Yep. After such – dominant last year in all competitions yeah um yeah it's weird for me to see Atletico you know probably going out in the group stage um I was talking to Paolo about this again today and like when you think of Atletico like I don't know the past couple years they've made it kind of far and, like, when you think about when Griezmann was there, they were always in, like, the quarterfinals or the semifinals or even, like, the final. Yeah, so, like, it, it's just, you know, it can, it's kind of baffling to me. But against this Bayern side, like, obviously, that's what's going to happen.
0: And, I mean, the other game, Salzburg beats uh, Moscow 3-1. It was actually a decently good game. Like, I watched the replay after because I was watching the other game. But I was like, okay, it looked 3-1, but it was like 3-2-1 until like the 80-something minute. Decent game, but at this point, Salzburg against uh, Atletico, that's the decider. Yeah, uh, Salzburg needs to win. If they win, they're through. If Atletico wins or ties, they're through. I mean, there's always a possibility that um, Mos- like, Moscow could get six points and tie Atletico. But honestly, I don't see that happening. Uh, Yeah,
1: I don't see that either.
0: So, next group we saw for the games for today on Wednesday. Um, So, let's just go over this really quick. Juve and Barca both win 3-0. Juve over uh, Kiev. Barcelona over Frank Barros. Only highlighted this. Griezmann scored an incredible backheel goal. And Martin Braithwaite, again, scored He has been scored. I think he's scored four game, four goals in his last three games, something like that. Braithwaite is earning his spot at Barcelona. We said it first. We went to his debut. <laughs> oh, he's having all that magic. But uh, honestly, didn't expect anything else. Both of these teams are – Barcelona is probably going to be the top team unless, like, Jube beats them, which – yeah, it looks difficult because the goal difference Barcelona has is 14 and Juve is seven, so they'd have to beat them by like eight goals. So <laughs>
1: it's not happening.
0: Yeah, so it's probably gonna be no matter what, Barcelona first, Juve second, even if Juve wins the next game.
1: Yeah, but I mean what's important to point out, uh last time they played, Ronaldo wasn't playing.
0: That is true. Yeah. The, thing, the most important thing out of all of this, and I forget it, yes. Ronaldo versus Messi on the oh, no. that's
1: what That's the second most important thing. The first most important thing is that Weston McKennie is going to play against Sergino Dest.
0: Oh, I, I said Braithwaite, right but yeah. Um, um, <laughs> McKennie versus Dest again. I put Sergio Dest on my fantasy now. And, and Conrad De La Fuente. Not him. Absolutely not him, Conrad. Um, just because of the name. Not to be mean. Uh other games this game uh, day, Jesus, Krasnodar versus Ren, one-one, exciting, woo! Uh, but at the fifty, from the fifty to the fifty-fourth minute, it was back to back. They were literally just throwing the ball back one time, like it's just moving. It's like a ping pong game, just back and forth, back and forth. And then there's a penalty, of Ren scores, and. Wren scores, and then what's the name of the other team? Krasnodar scores is uh, like a banger, an absolute banger to equalize. But yeah, that's the Krasnodar Wren. The other game there, last year versus uh, Dortmund, it was 1 1. Good game, but the biggest news there is Holland's out until January, which is yeah. very big.
1: Yeah, that's the big. Big takeaway. So when I first read it, I thought it meant he was out for the whole entire season. They're like, he's out for, a ye- for the year. And I was like, he's out for a year? No way. The journalist to me not reading it properly.
0: Don't worry. There's only like 29 days in this year. So you're, you're all good. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's going to be huge for Dortmund moving forward and for my fantasy team, which uh, just lost another striker, but that's completely, completely fine. I put him over there instead of them. But uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Did we talk about uh, Leipzig Istanbul? No, it was a, group.
0: it's the last last group. So, first, I just... Remember, oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Bruges beat Senate, like, 3-0. Again, I don't think anybody except Bruges and Senate fans were watching that game. Not to be mean, hey, but it wasn't even on TV here. You remember no, that one
1: time you were a Club Bruges fan?
0: I, there, it was the one time, and it wasn't because of Club Bruges. It was, A, because we were at uh, Old Trafford, and I just want to be, like... Be mean, and two, uh, I realized um, Mignolet, my idol, and uh, God was the goalie for Bruges. So, actually, I there was, I had a friend who was a Liverpool fan, and she sent me that when he went there to Bruges, and she's like, "Thank God he's out." And she wasn't even like the biggest like fan. She didn't watch all the games and everything. She was like, "I just know like he's bad." Yeah, but, yeah. So the last group. Oh, and Bruce in it at the same time. Sevilla and Chelsea, Giroud scores four goals.
1: Yeah, and he scored the sure. best hat-trick he could, right? He scored with his left foot, his right foot, his head. And then did, did he score from the penalty spot too? Yeah. There you go. Look at that. Every way he could have scored, he could have scored.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Giroud has been – I mean, he's one of those players who's, like, very professional, very – he's been constant. Doesn't always get, like, the biggest – like recognition he doesn't always deserve the biggest recognition but I mean it's just testament he was there in the right place at the right time and yeah I mean yeah was, I, had a, so.
1: I, I had a conversation about him with my friend last week and you know I would I think any team in the world would take Olivier Giroud and like he could definitely be a starting forward and not just one of these super subs or one of these players who only plays in like certain tournaments. Like he doesn't he doesn't start in the Premier League.
0: I would take him over Triple Moting again.
1: Um Yeah, I would take him at United and I would start him.
0: To be fair, I'd take anybody over Chipo Moting. But <laughs> the only good thing Triple Moting has is his agent. Beyond that, I I can't really say much. Now last group, uh really quick, Leipzig versus Istanbul Pashakier. Well Istanbul Pashakier versus Leipzig. Um my God, it's three one, and then it goes to three three, and the like the equalizer, the three three, and then the four three for Leipzig are literally in the last like ten minutes of the game, around there. It was very late, and was this Kavetchi? I think you pronounce Kavetchi. I have no idea how you pronounce. Yeah, I'll just
1: call it. It Kevechi, Yeah.
0: His last name. He scores a great Patrick. And the game's like 3-2, like very late. And he has this free kick. He just, he hits it from the left. So he's on the right side. So he hits it like on the right side of the field, just curls it into the top corner. It's hits off the crossbar. It's an absolute beauty. And then when you think it's like all said and done, like I, I was watching the game and even the, even the announcers were like, you like, we wouldn't be surprised if there's like any other turn. And then a 92nd minute, I think it, yeah, it was Alexander Sordoff, or, oh, I, I can't, it sounds weird. Uh, he scores like the last last minute winner, honestly. And yeah, it was, it was, I think we got a deflection or something. Cause I saw that. I'm like the goalie probably could have gone to it unless somebody like blocked his view or something. So he scores that. That was probably the least amazing goal of the game. And then there's four out of minutes. I think it's the 90, like, third minute. There's a ball that Gulashi, like, misreads, and it bounces. And he managed to get, like, he just pushes it away and then manages to get one, like, last second hand to it. Just moves it out. And as soon as the striker's about to hit it, Angelino just, like, kicks the ball out for, like, the corner kick. That was the game. It was probably the best game of the, of the match day. I mean, I would have said yesterday, uh, Mirjam Gladbach against Inter, but this is yeah. another level. But yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, Basakshir is out, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but Leipzig still can qualify because the top three have all have nine points. So I'm just gonna uh, step a little bit away and let you take Man United versus PSG all to yourself.
1: Uh, I can't believe I have to talk about this. Okay, okay, okay. So, well, uh, as I've said, I was really optimistic for this. So, yesterday, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer held a press conference, as he does before every game. Oh, well, I think he just holds a press conference, like, every day, really. Um, and Donny van de Beek is with him. And usually, like, nine times out of ten, when there's a player with you at the press conference – usually that player's starting, right? Because why would he be talking in the press conference ahead of a game if he's not going to be playing, right? So I'm so happy, still buzzing off of the result against Southampton. And I turned on the – well, it didn't turn on the TV. I turn turned on my laptop because you have to log into CBSL Access these days. It's not on the TV anymore. And long and behold, Donny Van De Beek is on the bench. And who is in his his place? Scott McTominay. And Scott McTominay put up one of the worst performances I've ever seen in my life. And it was just, it was terrible. United just looked absolutely terrible. Uh, and I, I'm just going to keep saying McTominay because, like, so we give up a, we give up a, I'm going to say it's a bad goal for Neymar's goal, Um PSG go up one nothing, cross it into the box, and you know, Neymars is at the back post and finishes. But like uh, it, it's just a very bad goal for United to give up. And I mean, Marcus Rashford converts a couple minutes later off a of deflection. So just another bad goal. No neither team really deserved to score. Um and then towards the end of the half, you know, it's one it's one one. And McTominay, I kid you not. Fouls Neymar five times in one minute. But before going into halftime. That's not what United needs. United does not need Scott McTominay, who can't control his temper, fouling one of the best players in the world. Like, rep- repetitively. And getting all hot-headed. Like, that's not what you need. And I don't see what Scott McTominay brings to the team when he starts. I can understand if you bring him in. But, like, Pogba's on the bench. Donny Van de Beek's on the bench. Nemanja Matic is on the bench. And you're going to scott mctominay and obviously like he's not the reason why we lost but you know that just really really made me upset um that he was starting and throughout the game like you can ask my mom i was just screaming at the laptop i was screaming marcus rashford was choosing the wrong time to shoot or not picking the right time to shoot like he'd be dribbling he'd be cutting into the box and then when he has an an opening to shoot he would take a touch or um, same thing with Marcial. Marcial missed an open net. He put it over the crossbar. So this game was actually a lot closer than the scoreline seems, like 3-1. But, um, you know, it doesn't help that Fred also got a red card. Uh, He headbutted. I forget who he headbutted exactly. But he only got a yellow for that. And the ref even checked it on VAR. And he should have gotten a straight red. And then he has, I think it was a clean tackle on Andre Herrera like he got the ball and then he got onto Herrera. I I think it was clean, but obviously he's already on a yellow. All the PSG players know he's on a yellow. They want him to get a red. So, he gets booked for that too. So you play the majority of the second half down a man. So, you know, I was just I was really upset about that and I'm frankly still very disappointed. Um Cavani also hit the crossbar. He dinked uh he dinked the keeper from like I don't know, 25 yards out. Could have scored, but, you know, United had the opportunity to win. They didn't need to win, but they had the opportunity to win. Um, I put the blame on Solskjaer for this and the team he started and just the system he wanted to play. Like, last time he got it right, he got it perfectly right in Paris last time. He brought on the right players at the right time, the formation he played, the players he played, he played Axel Zavi. He had Mbappe and Neymar in his pocket. And so did Aaron Mombasaka, and today they're just nowhere to be found.
0: I mean, yeah, I was watching the game, and I—it's—I I, think I changed it, like, to change the channel for like at the start because I was like, wait, let me see what the like Lazio game is doing. All of a sudden, they're already down one nil, and yeah, I mean, here's the thing: United is very, very like on and off. It's not—they're not consistent. And if you want to compete in the Champions League, like, unless you get lucky, you need to be consistent because you don't have that many chances. And you're playing against the best of the best. You're not playing, like, you're not going to go, like, one day and play against Fulham. Like, that's not going to happen. Even teams like Istanbul, like, can put up a fight. Even, like, like, if Faryng did not put up a fight ever. But, like, it's just you need to be consistent. United are not consistent, so... Just to spare you the pain of talking about more about Man United, you wanted to talk about your UEFA Team of the Year. So yeah.
1: So the shortlist for UEFA Team of the Year, uh came out yesterday. Actually, let me look it up and I'll I will read it.
0: I have a question though. Was it prediction for Team of the Year or last season's Team of the Year?
1: Oh, uh, what I want to talk about, or just what, what was, came out? What came out? Well, no, were the nominations? Okay. The players okay. who were nominated. Okay.
0: Because Van Dyke was on it, and I'm like, you cannot nominate Van Dyke when he's going to be
1: out for the season, so. Oh, no, 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 no. This is from, like, the past the past 2020. Okay, great. So, uh, yeah. So, here are the, the nominees, if I can ever find them. Oh, this is a video of the nominees? Sorry. Um, voting starts for the team of the year. That's exactly what I clicked on before. Hold, please. <laughs> Alright, let's see what we have here. Wow, my laptop does not like me today, does it? All right, so from Bayern, you have Serge Gnabry, Tomas Muller, Kingsley Coman, Leon Goretzka, David Alaba, Joshua Kimmich, Alphonso Davies, and Thiago, who I mean now plays for Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool and um, Bayern had the most players out of any team, obviously. Liverpool winning the Premier League, uh, Bayern being the best team on the planet right now. Um so from Liverpool, they have Mo Salah, Saudi Mane, Jordan Henderson, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Alisson, Andy Robertson, Virgil Van Dijk, um, and then just other players. Ronaldo is nominated. Uh, Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Bruno Fernandez, uh, Kai Havertz, and Thiago Silva. Um, obviously, um, Haaland made the list. You know, he won Golden Boy this year. Um, who else? Yeah, Sergio Ramos was only player from Real Madrid. Uh Neymar Mbappe, Di Maria Marquinhos, Juan Bernat, uh Kimpembe, Kaylor Navas, um Tiago Silva. So you know like a very star studded, very star studded um list of people there.
0: I mean, that's expected it's a team. Yeah.
1: But so when you go on to uh dot com, you can pick out your team of the year. And that's what I did this morning. Uh, you have to pick your formation. I picked a four three three, And we'll start at the back, and I'll work my way up. So who do you think I picked for um, my keeper? Manuel Neuer. <clears throat> yes, that is correct, Manuel Neuer. And then uh, four at the back, who do you think?
0: Uh, you showed me this, and I completely forgot. Uh, it's Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yes. You put Van Dyke in it. Yes. Did you put Joshua Kimmer? Yes. Yes, who else?
1: He has a YouTube show. Oh,
0: yes, Alfonso Davies. Yes. Okay,
1: great. So then three in the midfield. Thiago? Yes. Oh.
0: I want to say Mueller. I'm not sure if he did, though. No. No. Thiago,
1: Thiago. Even though he did, uh, Mueller became the most decorated uh, German in history. who
0: uh, hmm. Give me the team.
1: City. This one's easy.
0: Oh, uh, De Bruyne?
1: Yeah. And then another one. From City? No, but from Manchester.
0: God. Bruno?
1: Yeah, but Bruno. Yeah. And then my front three? It
0: has to be Lewandowski. How Yep. Um, yep. The other one. Was it Mane?
1: No. Salah. Yeah, Masala.
0: There you go.
1: Um, I think it's a pretty solid team, right?
0: pretty solid team. My team um, is completely unbiased. Completely. <laughs> okay, I just want you to go, like, we're going to do the same thing. That is a very good team, very strong team. Um, mm. Who do you think would put a
1: goalie? Manuel know.
0: How did you guess? Uh, defenders.
1: Uh, so, I'm going to go with
0: Alphonso. Right
1: What's up?
0: It shows a 4-3-3. 4-3-3, so,
1: same thing? Okay, so Alphonso Davies.
0: Yes.
1: Joshua Kimmich. Yes. David Alaba.
0: Yes. And now here's uh, my confusion. I also thought it was for like next season as well. <laughs> I didn't know which one. So I put Angelino. You were never going to guess that.
1: I was not going to guess Angelino at all.
0: Also because they had Thiago in a Liverpool jersey and I was like what? Yeah so, but
1: they're, they're, they're still counting everything he did up behind.
0: Yeah so middle three and just consider that if I were to play this, I want it to go forward to attack.
1: You want it to go forward and attack? So you have Thomas Müller? Of
0: course.
1: Leon Goretzka? No. You're I... obsessed with Leon Goretzka.
0: Well, I didn't put him because I want this team to attack. Wow.
1: Okay, uh, do you have Thiago on it?
0: Yeah.
1: All right, so Thiago, Müller.
0: This is going to be a hard one, this last one. This last thought... one? Huh? Yeah, because I also thought he should have been as a striker, not as a midfielder. But
1: in as a striker? Oh, one second. I have to pull up the names again. In as a striker. What, uh, give, me, give me a league. Italy. Oh, God. Um, God. Going through all of
0: them. Is,
1: it, is he from um, Is he from Atalanta?
0: Yeah.
1: Is it Ilistich or whatever his name is? Yeah. He, I
0: mean, he should have been up as a striker. I don't know why. Like, until like the break, he was having an incredible season. Like, it was just out of his mind. And he's back to playing, which is great. I love that. But, yeah, no, okay. top three, this is a little bit easy to get.
1: Okay, so you have Lewandowski, Haaland. Um, did you put Kingsley Coman in it?
0: No, I wanted to, but I was like, as good as he is, he's being better this season. He scored, like, very important goals, but I wouldn't say he was the best.
1: Okay. Um,
0: he is a Bayern player.
1: He's a Bayern player? Serge of
0: course, yeah, so completely unbiased I <laughs> I'm putting Garesca and just making it like fully like all bind, but I restrained myself um, see, I really
1: thought you were gonna put him in just because I know how much you love him
0: I do I yeah I was, but I, I restrained um, yeah, I mean, okay, so that's the team in other news we're gonna do this really quick of uh, just MLS because it's. Like, here in the, the North American continent, those are the two leagues that are coming to a close, MLS and Liga MX. I mean, there was also, like, a Costa Rican game, like, during the Champions League games, and I was like, why am I watching this right now? Um, the level just dropped. But, so the MLS, uh, they're basically basically how it works. They're in conference semifinals. Whoever wins each conference wins the whole, like, goes in place, wins the, can win the whole thing. Whatever. Basically, um, I was gonna say this they are so the semi right now, the only like the only conference finals, in New England against Columbus. Uh, all you need to know is I write the column for New England up, but they've been really good. They took out like two of the top teams they could have played against, and the one reason I wanted to add this I don't care what the results are is because Nani, if everybody remembers Nani, <laughs> he played. In a small team in north of England, I don't. I think they um, were more like red, something like that.
1: Yeah, called Newton Heath. Um, yeah, no, better known as Manchester United.
0: Yeah. They, okay. So here's the only reason I want to add this. They play. He plays for Orlando City. First of all, he misses a penalty. And It's the second penalty he's missed, like in the last two games. But here's the big thing. Okay. Can you please explain to me? why Nani like loses the ball and he just lays on the ground for like five minutes and they score on the counter-attack. See, this is the only reason we're talking about this to rail on why Nani should have like actually stood up. But I think also what you're saying like right now in the MLS is the games are more competitive. They are like, they are exciting as much as maybe the level's not as high up, but it is exciting. And I think that's, because you have players like Nani and stuff like that, and like Slotin play their is playing there. Carlos Vela, who are in the back end of their career. But I, what I want to highlight is a little bit what we were talking about, Weston McKinney, what we were talking about, Serginho Dest, what we are talking about, you know, Pulisic, Chris Richards. Like, we're seeing a lot of players, and not all of them came from the U.S. Like, Dest is he was born in the Netherlands, lived in the Netherlands his entire life. I think they asked him once if he knew what the national anthem is, and he couldn't sing it. Um, but I think it's, like, it's good for U.S. soccer to have that base, and there's a lot of players, I think, right now moving uh, to, like, Germany, to England, to places around, like, the world, and I think that's exciting more for you than it is for me. Yeah,
1: they're going to be, they're going to be very promising going forward. They have a very good future.
0: Yeah, that's, but yeah, that was the main thing. I mean, yes, I did want to rail on Natty for just laying down a bit, but at the same time, it's the league is getting better—not the best. It is getting better, and I think we're seeing that internationally as well. And we've talked a lot about Serginho Dest and Weston McKinney, and I think it was important to remind where they, most of them, are coming from. And the last part of this uh, Liga MX—it's here's the thing—we see our analytics. Everybody like ninety. Nine percent are either from the people listening to this or from the US or from Mexico. There's one percent from Singapore. So one percent
1: from Singapore?
0: Yes, I saw it yesterday today this morning. I was like, whoever that is, thank you. That's so just no
1: one we know. That's awesome. <laughs> but,
0: um, yeah, Liga MX semifinals start today. Okay. So the semifinals are Leon versus Chivas, two historic teams. Chivas is probably one of the biggest teams in Mexico, one of the top, like the big four. Uh, I used to play for them in their youth team, like one of their youth teams here. Um, that's also very important to know. But <laughs> we talked about that last time. But, um, and they're playing semifinal. They played today, if you're watching this one on Wednesday. And the other semifinal is Cruz Azul versus Pumas, two of the other big four. And I think what you're seeing this season, and it's important to highlight with Cruz Azul, First of all, League MX is probably the most competitive in terms of you don't know what's going on. Like, see, like, games, you have it, like, in other, like, in American sports that because of the salary cap, because of how the leagues are structured, there is this, like, little balance. And, like, it's very hard to maintain yourself as a top team for a long time. In Mexico, the teams are just all over the place. <laughs> and the way this, like, con- the season has been going, it's, I mean, you have – it's expanded to add more teams to the playoffs. So it's exciting, but at the same time it's been, it's been interesting. There's teams that, you know, we're top. And I think of the top four, there's, I mean, there is three left from the top four. It's again, a little bit of what's going on, like in other leagues, it's a lot of games back to back to back with no break. And that's why you're seeing sometimes like results that are just like all over the place that, And I think it is a little bit of the exhaustion. But yeah, Liga Mex another thing, Club America was uh, kicked out of the tournament by uh, Chivas.
1: I'm sure that made you very happy.
0: It made me very happy. That's the biggest rivalry in Mexico. And I was like, thank you. One of the other biggest rivalries is Cruz Azul and Club America. So I was very, very happy about that. And Cruz Azul could. They are favorites to make it to the final. But as I said last uh, episode, 22 years without the league title so we'll see what happens there but yeah I mean we're going to try and add a little bit more diversity rather than just stick to the basics but at the same time not like deviate too much from it but it is important to note that that the exhaustion of playing like a lot of games I think it's affecting everybody and oh, absolutely. and I mean I don't like I don't know if you follow it but I don't know if people follow it. Hashtag United. I don't know if you know. Uh, you know what it is.
1: I know what it is. I don't follow it as much as you do. It,
0: it's it's exciting at this point. But they were like they were having like this talk. Like the guy who created it and who created the club and like their head coach. And the main thing he was complaining is with the restart with everything like shutdowns and everything. You're putting these games so close together. I think like they were playing. They had injured like five goalies. Got injured something like that. They didn't have enough players they have to recruit players like the very same day of a game and you're not going to have those issues like at the professional level but I think that has been like a big drawback and I think also why we're seeing some like surprising results in like the top top leagues but yeah
1: um I agree with that, and it's nice that you're throwing some uh, MLS and Liga MX uh, in this.
0: Yeah, once it's boiled down, and like I'm not as emotionally invested. Which, if Cruzel makes it to the final, I will be as emotionally invested as possible. Yeah, I will cry no matter what happens, but <laughs> the tears will be either joy or sadness. No, just kidding. I won't cry if they lose. I'm already like too hurt at this point.
1: Yeah. Before we close this out, um, I want to tell everyone your tattoo idea? <laughs> Which one? The Cruz Azula
0: one. Okay, so here's the thing. If they win, I want to get nine dots for every single league title we had. I don't know where, or I might actually just have to change it and make like a little cross. I don't know. Um, also, once this goes out, if my parents hear this, they're probably going to ask me like, what's going on? At the same time, I don't have money for a tattoo. But also, we need to win the league title. Okay, so I don't want to jinx it so far. I did say with Byron and Byron won. So, but, yeah, nine blue dots for every single league title we have. We have other trophies, okay? We don't just have eight trophies in our history. We have, like, more, at least 14. I don't know, like, at least 16 or even more. I don't know. But, yeah, that's going to be exciting, and I'm going to cry. Yeah, we I
1: mean, like, after all the years of heartbreak you've been through, you deserve this.
0: I've been at the stadium, and I watched them lose in the last minute, okay? Okay that is peak heartbreak. And I have not like been sad about it ever since. I just accept it. So.
1: Yeah. will I hope for your sake that they win. Uh, I can't say I know much about Cruz Azul or that league at all. I only know what you tell me. So I'll, I'll be cheering alongside you, buddy.
0: Yeah. I hope we do. So.
1: Yeah. But I think that just about wraps up everything for today. Uh, Another exciting week of football ahead of us. So uh, tune in next week for another episode of the Golden Boot Podcast. Uh, I'm Chris Williams.
0: I'm JP Rios.
1: Thanks again for watching. This has been the Golden Boot Podcast. Hope to see you guys next time. Take care. (laughs)